Thanks, Val. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, it was perfect. You ever, it's one of those mornings like everything just goes right, you know? So um, everything ties together, and that's awesome. And my little folder thing's not going to work, so we're going to take it apart. Hope you all don't mind. How's everybody doing? Yeah. It's pretty awesome how we can come to a place and be a part of a family where our uh, senior pastor can get up and lead worship like that on a Sunday morning, and we don't, we don't skip a beat. Thanks, Isaac. That's one of your favorite things to do, leading worship, too. So we, we appreciate you. We appreciate Melinda and you guys' time. So thank you. All right. Well, Jane, will you pull up 2 Corinthians 1, that scripture that I put up there? This is where we're going to start today. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Paul, and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Isaac talked this morning, uh, leading into worship, about, about uh, our covenant words. And that's where we come from at Revelation Rock. That's what we hold on to, is God's promises. And they are all, yes, followed by our amen in Christ. And so today, when um, we get through what I have to say, um, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Val, we are worthy. Hold on to that. Each one of us is worthy of God's love. Each one of us is worthy of every single one of God's promises. Ben, will you stand up? I'm going to be in trouble for this. <laughs> but you got to put your Bible down. I appreciate it. Come here. Turn and face everybody. Put your hands up in the air. Okay. You got a white sweatshirt on. You're all right. Keep your hands up. Keep them up there. Let's see how long you can keep them up. Okay. You okay? Okay. How long do you think you can go? Okay. Hey, if he gets tired, will somebody come help him? Yeah? Okay. All right. My message this morning is called Raise Your Hands. With our hands, we embrace our loved ones. We work in our employment, in our jobs. We handle property. We make money. We touch every sphere of our lives. There's nothing pertaining to our daily lives that we don't put our hands to in some way. With people's hands, both good and evil is done. With hands, others are helped while sin is committed and communication is also carried out. Hands are required in every area of our lives and they represent us in every way. Thus, our hands become symbolic of our lives. 
Are your arms, arms tired yet, Ben? Yeah? Come here, Aiden, Brady. Hey, you guys, can, you guys can hold these up, okay? One of you on each side. You're never safe when I'm up here, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> our hands speak very loudly. When we're angry, we clench our fists and we threaten to harm others. When we're guilty, we hide our hands to hide incriminating evidence from view. When we feel uneasy, we sit, uh, we sit on them to obscure our inner selves. When we're worried, we wring our hands. When we're afraid, we might use them to cover our face or to hold tightly to someone for protection. When desperate or fu- frustrated, I almost said frustrated, <laughs> sorry, we throw them wildly in the air, perhaps also in resignation or dismay. When we're confused, we extend them in bewilderment, as if asking for advice or direction. When we're suspicious, we use them to keep someone at bay, or perhaps to even point a finger in their direction. When we feel hospitable, though, we use our hands to warmly receive those in our presence. When we want to get someone's attention, we lift them and wave them in the air. When we speak, we gesture with them to help convey our message. If you're Italian, you do it a lot more. (laughs) When compassionate, we hold them out to share and embrace. And when we make a promise, we raise one hand to make that vow. If we agree with someone, we're in a meeting, we agree with someone, we acknowledge our, our agreement by raising a hand. And when we're happy, and we know it, we clap them together to let others know. A few of you got it? Okay, okay. And when we're celebrating, we raise them up to show others our excitement. Do you need to sit down, Ben? You, go, you good? You want to sit down? All right, you guys can sit down. Thanks. Good job. I really am going to be in trouble for that. So uh, this past summer, if you guys haven't figured this out, most of my messages get spurned in me by, by a worship song or by one little thing that I hear, and it just builds and it snowballs, and I start studying and writing down scriptures and, and looking at it and trying to piece it all together. <clears throat> and so uh, Elevation Worship released a new album, uh, When Did Jehovah Come Out, in August, June, July, somewhere. Anyway, and the very first song on that album is called Jehovah. And uh, if you all have been here for a while, Jerry uh, has preached some messages about the different Jehovah, Jehovah names for God. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. And so I kind of got held up on Jehovah Nisi. And so we're going to go right now to Exodus uh, 17. That one? Sorry, Jane. I gave Jane a mile-long list of scripture this morning. So here we go. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were, uh, were winning. 
When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua, who was down leading the battle, overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. Verse, go to uh, verse 10. We'll skip this one for a second. Go, go to Exodus 17.10. Sorry, Jane, I didn't give you that one. Uh, maybe nine. Sorry, it's, it's nine or ten. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. And then to 15. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. Moses raised his hands. And the Israelites, who were already pretty upset, pretty tired, they've been wandering around in the desert a little bit. The Amalekites come up and they want to fight. Moses says, Joshua, go fight him. I'm going to go up on the hill. I'm going to raise my hands. And, and we're going to win this, this battle. The Lord's going to help us. And so he did. And then Moses' arms got tired, and they started falling. So Aaron and Hur came and stood at each side of him and raised his hands. They put him on a rock. They let him sit down. Could you imagine standing all day for hours with your hands like this? We'll come back to that. Hold that all in your, in your brain. Why do we, in the church, raise our hands? Why do we raise our hands in worship? Why do we raise our hands when we pray? Here are a few reasons that as Christians, as people who understand that God's promise to us is yes and amen, why we raise our hands. For us, it's a place of surrender. Go ahead, Gene, with uh, Psalm 28. Of David, to you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. It's a place of surrender for us. It's a place of saying, Lord, I need you. I need you right now. Hear my voice. Hear my cries. It's also a place of prayer. Uh, look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 8. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel. He spread out his hands towards heaven and he said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no one like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. So he's raising his hands. And then uh, at the end of uh, his long prayer, which we won't read, 
When Solomon had finished all of these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose before the altar, rose He rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. He stood and he blessed the whole whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice. So it's a place of prayer. It's also a place of honor and blessing. If we look in uh, Luke 24, this is talking about Jesus. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Seems familiar, doesn't it? When we leave Revelation Rock on Sunday mornings, a lot of times Isaac blesses us with a declaration over us. Look in Leviticus uh, chapter 9, another example of this for us. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and he blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. He lifted his hands. After all the offerings, he lifted his hands and he blessed them. It's also a place of openness, of receiving, and of invitation. In Psalm 139, 23 through 24, the writer says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We want God to come in to look at us. We open our hands. We raise our hands to him. It's also a place of praise and exaltation. Uh, Psalm 141 says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the living sacrifice, the evening sacrifice right here. We're presenting. We're lifting up our praise. And then in Romans uh, 12.1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. And we lift our hands in that sacrifice. Coming back to Jehovah Nissi, it's a place of victory. After Moses and Joshua and Aaron and Hur defeated the Amalekites, Moses named that place, the Lord is my banner. Why is the banner so important? Anybody know? Because when we go to war, we raise a banner. Usually, we take the banner out in front of us. Whether it's back then or now, our banner still goes in front of us. Our military today has a flag in front of them most of the time. When in the Civil War, the two sides were coming. There was a rider that carried the flag. The same is true here, but Moses held up the banner, the banner of God. He was here in between, and he came, and he prevailed. <clears throat> 
How did Moses know? God didn't tell him to go set on that rock, to stand on the hill and raise his hands. How did he know that if he did, that the Israelites would prevail? It's a learned behavior. It was a learned behavior. And I think us now raising our hands is a learned behavior. How do we learn to raise our hand in class when we want the teacher to call on us? We have to learn. When, we, when we're growing up and we want our ten, attention from our parents, we raise our hands. Pick me up. Look at Exodus uh, chapter 14. <clears throat> this is shortly after the Israelites have, are fleeing Egypt. Moses answered the people. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see you again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then in verse 16, God tells Moses, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And then in verse 21, 21, Jane, sorry. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and, in, and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided. And we all know what happens in verse 22, right? Then the Egyptians tried to follow and they got swallowed up by the sea. Moses learned in that experience that God was fighting for them. And so he put two and two together. If I go up on the hill with my hands raised and the staff of the Lord in my hands, the Amalekites have no chance of coming against us. They have no hope of coming against us. And my arms got tired. And guess what? Aaron and Hur saw it too. So they went up there and they held his hands up. And the Israelites had victory because God is their banner. <clears throat> Let's uh, skip forward here a little bit, go to Second Chronicles. This is uh, God speaking. He says, Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeru. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. It's another example of, of God telling the Israelites, I'm going to fight for you. <clears throat> if we look at Ephesians chapter 6, this is where our battle is. 
This is where our battle is. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Surely there's a physical battle going on, but even more so, the enemy wants to destroy us. But God has given us the full armor. We have the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. The belt of truth around our waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, we hold the shield of faith. And then we put on the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then Isaac got to it this morning a little bit, too. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says, We are more than conquerors because God loves us. We have victory, we have God as our banner, the Lord is our banner. We can carry him before us everywhere we go and know that we have victory. In every situation, we can raise our banner and we can know and we can trust that we have victory. Why? Because look at, go back to uh, that scripture in, in 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, for God's promises to us are yes, followed by our Amen. So we've established God's our banner. Talked a little bit more about that. The other one that jumps out at me and that another reason for us to claim that victory is because we have a God that provides. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Abraham was asked to take his only son, the son that his offspring were supposed to be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand. His only son. God said, hey, we're going to sacrifice him. And Abraham listened. And when he was up on that mountain, the Lord provided the ram stuck in the bush. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it's said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Go ahead to Matthew, that Matthew 6, Jane. This is Jesus talking, telling us he's gonna provide. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor 
was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, which he not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself and each day has enough trouble of its own. God provides for us. His promises to us that he will provide for us. He gives the birds everything they need. He gives the flowers everything they need. How much more does he care about us? He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to us. John 3:16. He loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. Sounds familiar, right? Abraham Isaac, <clears throat> that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that eternal life is what he ultimately provides for us. John 10.10, 10, it's one of our favorite scriptures around here. The thief, the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us what? life, and not just any life, life to the full, life in abundance, everything that we need, everything that we can handle, he's providing for us. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I have a couple more scriptures for y'all, and then we'll uh, start wrapping up here. Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> so God presented Christ as a sacrifice of, of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness <clears throat> because in his forbearance, his understanding of how everything was going to go together, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. The same God who smiles on the brilliance of wildflowers and feeds baby sparrows, sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for the sins already committed and to be committed. Jesus was the last and the final sacrifice, the absolute flawless lamb able to redeem all sinners and pay for all sins once for all time. Jesus is God's perfect and complete provision for us. He's the answer to every person's deepest question and the fulfillment of our deepest needs. We look back to Genesis. Abraham's only son was set to be sacrificed. Abraham was going to be the father of many nations, and yet God asked him to sacrifice his son. And Abraham was willing. He was faithful. Hebrews 11 tells us 
but God provided for Abraham right there. And he provided for us with Jesus. The Gospels tell us the story. The Bible, from beginning to end, tells us of his provision for us. And in John 19.30, Jesus said, it is finished. Tom has it tattooed on his arm to tell us today. It's one of my favorite Greek words. I hated Greek class in college, but it was one of my favorite things to understand is that word in the Greek is a future tense, or not, not a future tense, a perfect tense word, which is a combination of the past, the present, and the future. It means it was finished, it's being finished, and it will continue being finished each and every day going forward. It's the same. When Jesus hung on the cross for us as that atoning sacrifice, he provided the yes and the amen once and for all. That we can take faith in that. We can trust in that. Every single day when we raise our hands to the Lord, that he's there for us, that he's our banner, that he's going before us, that he's fighting for us. And I, I read this, this quote to finish up today, and it, and it just stuck with me. Talking about why we raise our hands. Because of the way God has made the world and how we wired our own hearts, on certain special occasions, we reach for something tangible, physical, and visible to complement or to serve as a sign of what is happening invisibly and what we're capturing with invisible words. When we raise our hands in worship, it's all about our heart. It's all about the spirit inside of us claiming that victory. Asking the Lord for more, for blessing, for prayer, for healing. Whatever it may be, when we raise our hands, it opens up us to not only receive, but to say, Lord, I know you got this. I know your promises to me are yes and amen and I'm going to trust in you. Isaac, you want to come on up? I don't know if you want to sing, play a song, talk, whatever, but I'm going to close with prayer, and then uh, we'll go from there. Jesus, thank you so much for today. I thank you for my family of Revelation Rock. I thank you for each person here. I thank you for their hearts, I thank you for their faith in you. And I thank you that each one of us trusts in your promises to us. That each one of us knows that without each other, it would just be us. And we can support each other 
And like a body, each, each piece fits together perfectly the way you intended it for it to be, Jesus. I speak your blessing over um, each person here, for our family members not here, and I thank you that you love us and that you called us and that all of your promises to us are yes and amen. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you for sharing that. As I was listening to him um, preach, I was thinking about posture, the posture that's so, like, you control your posture with your arms and your hands. I'm learning this because I have a knot of muscles in my back just beside my spinal column that has been irritated and inflamed for a long time. I've fought it. It's gotten better. It gets worse. It gets better. And I finally, I talked to somebody not that long ago, and they kind of opened my eyes to why it is that way. And for those of you that don't know, I weld and repair for a living, which is my hands are always, they're all, like my, all the muscles in my arms are always some level of tense holding things. And, and I was, as Nick was sharing, I was thinking about what I do for a living is, is labor. I work I work to provide for my family. And when that work, when I'm in that position of work, my hands are out front, they're working. And the lady that I was talking to about the muscles in my back, she said, so really for every hour that you spend like this laboring, you need to open your chest cavity up like this and rest. And I said, that doesn't feel very restful. <laughs> she said, it will. And I thought about that in light of us as believers, what Nick was sharing this morning, when we get into labor, when we're working for our righteousness, our hands are nowhere like this. They're busy. They're holding things. They're flat. And, and we end up feeling some level of misery. But when we can rest, truly rest, that first song that we sang this morning, we can truly rest. It's a position of surrender. And that's, I love that picture. And it was a, the Lord's timing on things for the conversation I had last week about my back and then what he was talking about raising your hands in worship. It's a, it's, I, I, got, I can't work anymore. I give up. I can't do it anymore. I've worked hard and many of you have been there. You've done the time working hard for righteousness. I'm going to try really hard to act more righteous. And, and when we throw our hands up and we give up, that, that picture is so powerful that we, we yield. It's a yield sign. And uh, so I just encourage you as we go from this place today to think about that, to think about that's truly the new covenant. The new covenant isn't about you. It was a gift to you, but it's not about your ability to hold up your end of the deal. Just like the covenant God made with Abraham, it was God made a covenant. He's like, I want to make you the beneficiary of it, but I can't really cut a deal with you because you'll fail. So he put Abraham and caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And then he cut a deal with himself and he named Abraham as the beneficiary, which is a type and a shadow and a picture of what was to come for us that God made a deal with God and named us as the beneficiary, and it's called the new covenant. So I invite you this morning, if, if anything that was shared this morning strikes a chord in your heart, or you're like, I'm not, I'm not real sure where I'm at with that, I invite you to search one of us out up here as we're cleaning up the stage. Look up Nick, Shelby. There's a handful of us that would be more than happy to talk to you about it, because it is the most important thing. It's more important than anything else in your entire life. I'm going to pray for us and we'll be dismissed. We're going to be back in the book of Esther next week. I'm pretty excited about it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much. 
I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. Thank you for Nick, uh, for the courage that you gave him to share what you laid on his heart. Lord, I just thank you for each of the people that's involved in leading this church at Revelation Rock as we navigate seasonal changes and being led by your spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're here with us. Pray a blessing as we go from this place over each person that's here. Over those that are not able to be with us this morning, we just pray a blessing over them as well. Thank you so much, Lord, that you promised to go with us wherever we go. Thank you that there's nothing we can do to earn right standing with you so we can raise our hands in worship. We can cease from our labors. We can allow you to provide for us. Lord, I just pray a blessing over the rest of our day as we step into this world. Lord, give us boldness. Give us the boldness of lions. Help us to understand who we are. Help us to refute anything that the enemy throws at us, any accusations about worthiness, any bits and pieces of condemnation that get caught up in our mind. Father, we just speak against them. We pray against any, any spirit of doubt that's even maybe trying to uh, get in right now in anyone's heart or mind that's here. We pray confidence. Paul wrote all about confidence, that we can have confidence in the day of judgment, that we can leave this life with confidence. We can live this life with confidence in who you are, Lord. I just pray that we would carry about the solution to our world, that we wouldn't just travel through this next week talking about how bad it is, but that we would carry the solution with boldness and confidence in who you are and who you've made us and called us to be. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.